The Lord calls us to worship this morning from the book of Psalms, chapter 68. Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Oh, sing praises to the Lord, to him who rides on the heaven of heavens, which were of old. Indeed, he sends out his voice, a mighty voice. Ascribe strength to God, his excellence is over Israel, and his strength is in the clouds. O God, you are more awesome than your holy places. The God of Israel is he who gives strength and power to his people. Blessed be God. Amen. Consider the words of Mary in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 and 47. After the angel's announcement to Mary that she would bear a son and call his name Jesus, she said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Let's go to our King in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you and we praise you that we may be in your presence today as your people gathered as your bride, the church. We praise you and we thank you and we lift up our hearts to you today. We pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us in this prayer of invocation, that you would be pleased to inhabit the praises of your people. And Lord, as we are gathered here in your presence, we pray that you would encourage our hearts in the gospel. Would you bind up what is brokenhearted in us, encourage those who are weak and frail in their faith. And may we all feed upon the bread of life, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we gather as your people, we also pray the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, saying out loud, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. This morning, for our confession of faith, we're going to recite together the Apostles' Creed. I'll begin by asking you, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. For all who call upon the Lord by faith, hear these words of the blessed promise of God's assurance of the pardon of your sins from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, beginning in verse 25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. 
I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. Amen. As we continue to worship now, please take your hymnal and turn to hymn number 208 as we sing together. O come all ye faithful. Boys and girls. Good morning. It's good to see you all. Scooch in, scooch in. We've got room. Well, I want to ask you, while everybody's finding a seat, did anybody happen to see the meteor shower this past week? Did you see that? I see a few of you did. I have to confess, I was in bed both nights and, and missed it. But I want to ask you, 
Was it scary? Those of you who saw it, was it scary? No, sir. No? Okay. Well, I want to talk with you about something in uh, the book of Luke. As we see the third candle is lit this morning, I want to talk to you about, and you might be able to guess it, the shepherd's candle. And the shepherds, do you you remember what they saw as they were out in the fields abiding their sheep? Kate, what did they see? Uh, A star. They saw a star? Kate? An angel. Yeah, angels. And the angel said something to them. I wanted to read just a little bit of this for you from Luke chapter 2. It says, while the, the shepherds were in the fields watching over their flocks, it says that, behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now let me ask you, why do you suppose the shepherds were afraid? Because it was... Um, different for them? It was different for them. Absolutely it was. They were used to seeing sheep and clouds and maybe some stars. James? They were standing in the glory of God. They were standing in the glory of God. They had never seen it before. Abigail? Because they didn't know they were coming. They didn't know the angels were coming. They had no idea. They hadn't gotten the the calendar reminder. Be in the fields tonight. (laughs) They're coming. And they did come. And who remembers what I, from what I just read? What did the angels announce? A Savior has been born. A Savior has been born. And so I want to ask you, do you suppose that that Savior who was born, do you think the angels went to tell the shepherds because that Savior was for them too? No. No? Got a no? Yeses. Do you think that Savior who was born was born for those shepherds too. Yes. 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 It's important, I think, to think about this because the shepherds, he was born for everyone. It says that he was to bring joy into the world. We just sang about that. Oh, come on ye faithful. We just sang that song. It's a reminder to us. This special part in, in the story of Jesus coming into the world is a reminder that Jesus didn't come for important people or those who have great jobs or lots of money or good looks. And the angels came to the shepherds first. They were the lowest of the low. And the shepherds came and told them, this Savior has been born. And so how did they respond? What did the shepherds do after they were afraid? Do you remember what it says they did? They went to where the star is. Yes, they made haste. They followed the star. They went to worship. And so this morning, before we pray, I want to encourage you. During this worship service, tonight during the Love Gift Program, and throughout the rest of this Advent season, I want to encourage you to remember that this Savior who came into the world came for people like you and me. People who are sinners, who need a Savior. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you that you did send those angels to tell the shepherds first. We confess we don't understand your ways, and many times... It is hard for us to make sense of what's happening in our lives and even what we read in the Bible. But we praise you, Lord, that the things that we need to know you have made clear to us. That Jesus has come into the world to be the Savior of sinners. And we rejoice in that today. As adults, as covenant children, as people who stand in your presence needy, we rejoice that Jesus has come, that we might be saved, that we might be clothed in his righteousness. And I pray, Lord, for our children this morning, for all of us, that as we think about Advent and Christmas this year, that we would rejoice that we belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. If you would, please take your hymnal and turn to page 790. This morning, our responsive reading is Psalm 20. It's on page 790. (laughs) Psalm 20, I'll begin with the light portion. Please respond out loud together with the bold.
May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May He remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. We will shout for joy when you are victorious and will lift up our banners in the name of our God. Now I know that the Lord saves His anointed. He answers Him from His holy heaven with the saving power of His right hand. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Amen. Let's stand together and turn in your hymnal to number 215 as we sing together, While by the sheep we watched at night. Pastoral prayer time this morning. I wanted to pray for our church family specifically. I wanted to pray for our widows, for those who are in our midst who are going through particular tribulations and trials, health issues, financial problems, questions and concerns, and generally just for the encouragement of God's people at this time of year. It is a time of joy and rejoicing, but we have to acknowledge those in our midst who Every time this season comes, it is a reminder of sorrow and grief. So I want to pray for our church family in this time that the Lord would be close to each of us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we rejoice at your providence in our lives that you, uh, by no mistake or coincidence have brought us together here this morning. We praise you that this is the day that you have made and we are rejoicing in it and are glad 
that you give us rains because we need them. Lord, you give us the things that we need every day of our lives. And it's difficult to acknowledge that sometimes because there are things that we want more than we want what you say you will give us. Lord, we pray that you would help us in our unbelief and in our fear and our lack of faith and our grumbling and complaining, whether it's under our breath or the words that come out of our mouth. Lord, we pray that you would forgive and heal us. Lord, I pray for our church family this morning. I pray for our widows this time of year, that you would comfort them and their families as they miss their husbands, as children miss dads, grandchildren miss a granddad. Lord, I pray that you would comfort our families, that you would minister the gospel to us, that you would give us hope in you. Lord, I do pray for those in our midst who who miss loved ones. Perhaps they're not widows, but they they have family members who are, are not going to participate in Christmas this year because they are no longer living. And it is a reminder to us, Lord, sometimes holidays are so hard because they remind us of our sorrow and our grief. And so I pray, Lord, that in the midst of this season, where it would be easy to feel guilty if we are sad, if we do cry and weep, I pray, Lord, that you would be close to us. That in the power of the Holy Spirit, you would be what you promised. That you would be comfort to us. That you would bind up truly what is broken in us. Help us, Lord, not to deny the grief that weighs heavy on our souls. I pray for any in our midst, Lord, who might be depressed. Who are really seriously struggling with life. And being here this morning is a significant event just simply to have walked out the door. I pray, Lord, in your providence and in your great love and care for your people, that you would minister the sweet words of the gospel and the love of Jesus to our souls. There are some of us in this room that this time in life and where we are in life is not what we thought it would be. And we are disenfranchised with this world, maybe with one another. And if we're honest, we are questioning you and your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, forgive us, we pray, for our lack of faith. And Lord, we pray that you would give us faith to believe, to be rejoicing in your salvation. Restore it to us, that we might proclaim your goodness to others. Lord, I pray for those in our church family who are suffering and struggling under health issues that have lingered on maybe this entire year, or carried over from last year or the year before. I pray for those in our midst who are undergoing treatments or who have just come out of them. Lord, we pray for those who are are waiting for resolution, who, who need to see your hand be strong and mighty. I pray, Lord, that you would sustain them by your grace. And we praise you, Lord, as we join our hearts together to pray to you, because we know that you hear us, and we know that in your good time, and according to your will for your glory, you will answer. And so we pray in the mighty name of Jesus in confidence. In Jesus' name. Amen.
favoring us this morning with your gifts. I want to invite you to open your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Luke, chapter 2, we're going to be reading uh, verses 41 to 50. Luke, chapter 2, verses 41 to 50. And if you would, also put a finger over in Second Chronicles, chapter 34. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. This is the word of the Lord. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And then 2 Chronicles chapter 34, beginning in verse 29. Then the king sent and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites and all the people, great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the house of the Lord. Then the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. And he made all who were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin take a stand So the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Thus Josiah removed all the abominations from all the country that belonged to the children of Israel and made all who were present in Israel diligently serve the Lord their God. All his days they did not depart from following the Lord God of their fathers. 
The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God abides forever. This is now our third Sunday in our Advent series, the coming of the King. And we have young Jesus in the temple. Our sermon this morning is entitled, A Defiled House. Last week we we looked at another house and discussed the house of the, the King David and also the house of Zacharias and Elizabeth. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 9, after the Ten Commandments had been reviewed, God says to Moses, Oh, that they, my people, had such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep my commandments always. These words go back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned against God. They died that day. A spiritual death cold-hearted towards God. And we believe that all of us died with them. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, it says, when Samuel was speaking to Saul, he said, the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart to be commander over his people. This one would be the king, the one who had a heart to follow God and to obey him. God promised David a house. We looked at this two weeks ago. That his seed, David's seed, would rule on an eternal throne. That God would build for him a dynasty. And that God would be a father to his son. That he would treat David's son like his own. That he would discipline him when he erred. That he would bless him as he walked in his ways. That he would never turn away from him. Or remove his spirit from him as he had from Saul. And his son, David's son, Solomon, built a magnificent temple. A place that represented God's presence among his people. A place that was to be for restoration and repentance. And yet before Solomon died, it was riddled with idols. Physical idols in the presence of God's people. In the presence of the house where God was to be worshipped. Where sacrifices were to be offered to the living God. The only true God. Idols stood. It was sinful. It was awful. It defiled the house of the living God. In 2 Chronicles chapter 34 verse 2. We come to Josiah. A young boy. Eight years old. And it says in verse 2 that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. That he walked in the ways of his father David. And he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. This morning I want to look at these two stories of Jesus in the temple as a young boy. And young Josiah who ascends the throne of the land of Judah at eight years old. Under three headings. Number one, age is just a number. In the providence of God. Number two. Restoring true worship. And lastly. Point number three. A heart for God. So point number one. Age is just a number in the providence of God. As we read the story of the boy Jesus in the temple. He's 12 years old. And the teachers it says. Were all astonished. At his understanding and his answers. And his parents even are amazed as they walk in the temple after three days they've been searching for him. They are amazed that he's sitting there with the teachers. That he's listening to their answers and also asking them questions. They are amazed to find him there. And in response to his mother Mary's question. The boy Jesus says, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Clearly, Jesus, at 12 years old, grasps who he is. The great I am was in the temple that day. And he was the only one who knew it. Mary and Joseph had been told who Jesus was. They knew what his name meant. And it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, that that Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, may it be unto me as you have said. Mary humbly bowed in obedience before God's command to her. 
But she didn't understand everything. She had no way of knowing what encouragement this is for us parents. You don't have all the answers for your children. And even Mary, the mother of Jesus, didn't. It is a, an encouragement to each of us to walk with the Lord by faith. To entrust our children to Him and believe that He is caring for them. And beyond all of our expectation, He loves our children more than we ever could. If Mary didn't get all the answers, why would we think we deserve them? It's unclear to them what's going on with Jesus. Why would he have stayed back? And in verse 50 and 51, it says that Mary treasured these things all up in in her heart. Apparently she didn't give full vent to everything she could have said to Jesus or to Joseph or to these people in the temple. Why didn't you just send notice so that we wouldn't have worried? And it says that God Almighty subjected himself himself to them and went back. God Almighty went back and was raised as a little boy. And it says that he grew in wisdom and in favor with God and with men. It was God's plan that Jesus would grow up in Joseph and Mary's home. That it would be a godly home. That Jesus, the Son of God, would see daily discipleship. That they, his family, would go for the yearly Passover. They would make the trip to Jerusalem. And by God's means of this Christian family walking before the Lord, Jesus is in the appointed place in the temple at the Passover. The Passover lamb was in the temple that day and no one knew it. Now let's turn and think about this boy, Josiah. He's eight years old. When he ascends the throne, his father Ammon was an evil man. He was an awful king. He only was king for two years. But he undid much of the good that his father Manasseh had done. And he's murdered by some conspirators in his own kingdom. And they killed him in his own house. And so the people of the land go and run after those who had murdered his dad. And they murder them. And then they go to Josiah, this eight-year-old boy. And they crown him king of Judah. And we heard those words that he honored the Lord. And it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 34 verse 3 that when he was 16 years old, he began to seek the God of his father David. At age 20, he began a campaign of purging all of Israel and all of Judah, including the temple itself of the gross idolatry that had crept into the homes and the hearts and the temple of God's people. At 20 years old, he did this. And you might remember as we studied Jeroboam last week in his broken house, that a man of God had come to the temple that Jeroboam had set up, went to the altar and prophesied against it, and said, O altar, O altar. You might think people are crazy if they talk to the furniture, don't you? But he says, O altar, O altar, a boy, Josiah, will come and he will burn the bones of priests on you and the ashes he will burn to bits. In 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 2. And so what Josiah did as a young man, as a 20-year-old man, he purged Israel and Judah of its idolatry. He did exactly what that man of God had prophesied would take place. And he did take the priests who offered false offerings on these pagan altars, who poured out incense on the high places, who did not serve according to God's command. He did exactly what that man of God prophesied. This young man went and purged Israel of their sinfulness, of their idolatry. And along the way in his life, point number two, he restores True worship to Israel. The book of the law was discovered when he was 26 years old. The reforms that he began continues with the restoration of the temple. You remember things had been set up. Idols and statues. Incense altars where oil was poured out to these false gods. And one of his 
secretaries, a man named Shaphan, comes to him after going to the temple and making sure that the workers have the money, that the Levites are in charge according to the word that Samuel had given for the temple. He goes to Josiah the king and says, the high priest gave me a book in verse 18. And it just happens to be that as he reads this book in the presence of the king, that it's not just a book, it's not any old newspaper. It happens to be, many scholars believe, the book of Deuteronomy. The law of God that was to be read and studied and loved and adored by all of Israel's kings. This book just happened to be lost for years. God's people don't know it. The kings don't know it. They're not following it. And it says that as the king heard the words of the book of the law, he is undone and he rips his clothes. Look how far we have fallen. Look how much we have sinned in the presence before the face of Of the living God. Our corruption runs deeper than I even imagined. Our sins. The sins of the people and our leaders. Are the reason why God's wrath is upon us. Why the northern kingdom was exiled the way that it was. Why there is only a remnant. And he's fearful that God will bring exile to Judah as well. And so he goes to those who are his Trusted advisor, he says, go to the prophetess, inquire of the Lord for me and for those who are left in Israel and in Judah. And Huldah, the prophetess, confirms all the curses that had been read in Josiah's presence. They are coming true. There will be exile in Judah. It is coming because of the sins of God's people. He is bringing punishment. The house of God has been defiled. The house of David has been defiled. The hearts of God's people are defiled. They do not worship the living God. They think they can mix God in with all of their favorite things and still call it worship. That worship can be about them in their name for their benefit, for their enjoyment, to touch their fancies. So with exile impending, Josiah says we must continue the true worship of the Lord. And so he does gather all of the people. And the book of the law is read in the hearing of everyone. And he stands before them as as their king and says, I will follow the Lord. I covenant before him today. I will do everything that he says to do. And he causes them to stand after hearing the word of the Lord. And says, we will obey him together. This young man... In the 18th year of his reign, leads God's people back into his presence. They keep the Passover in 2 Chronicles chapter 35. Despite God's impending judgment, they know that it's coming. And whether or not the renovations in the temple are complete, Josiah says the Ark of the Covenant must come back in. We must celebrate the Passover as God has commanded. We must be reminded as a nation that God delivers his people from their sins. We must be reminded that sins require atonement. It's been too long. We don't have a sense of knowing who we are in God's presence or who he is. We need to be reminded So Josiah appoints priests to serve in their official capacities before the Lord and they held the Passover and it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 35 verse 18 that no Passover like it had been kept in Israel since the days of Samuel the prophet. And the next thing that we read in 2 Chronicles 35 is that Josiah the king dies tragically in an altercation with Necho of Egypt And the people of Judah. And it says Jeremiah mourned. They mourned their righteous king. This one who led them back into the presence of God. That's point number two. Restoring true worship. And lastly, number three. A heart for God. It says that he was a son of David. It called David his father. In Josiah, we see some flashes and glimmers of hope. It reminded me of a song that 
We had been learning last year as a choir, sometimes a light surprises. I believe Josiah was a light in the kingdom of Israel. They were surprised. They didn't know what God was doing. It seemed that Josiah might be this man that God had promised who would be a man after his own heart. He sought God at a young age. This was a little boy, eight years old. He had a sincere desire for true, pure worship that God had authorized and nothing else. He pledged covenant allegiance to God alone. He presides over and leads Judah and Israel in righteousness after a time of great division among God's people. And he mourns over not only his sins and repents not only of his sins, but also the sins of his father and the sins of his father's father and the sins of the people of God. He demonstrates what it means to stand before the Lord, knowing who he is, how holy and separate and other from us he is, and how desperately we need him because of our sinfulness. Josiah is a highlight among a long, painful list of dreadful kings. And as news of his death spreads throughout the kingdom, Judah mourns. And yet the son of David, whom God had promised to David, was yet to come. This would be the one who would deliver his people from exile of sin and death and separation from God. And more unlikely than an eight-year-old little boy becoming king as Josiah was reigning over Judah, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, put on flesh like you and me and came into this world. And at 12 years old, Jesus knew and had a heart for God. In Hebrews chapter 9, if you still have your Bibles, turn there just briefly with me. In Hebrews chapter 9, it says this of Jesus. Beginning in verse 5, Therefore, when He, Jesus, came into the world, He said, Sacrifices and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for Me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that is the sacrifices, the temple worship, the altars, the grain offerings, the bloodiness. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. That there is a true son in Israel, a true son of God who desires to do all that the Lord has commanded him. Everything that he gave to his people in the Ten Commandments and every little law that he gave them, Jesus came with a heart to do his Father's will for you and for me to accomplish all righteousness. I want to ask you this morning, what about your heart? In Second Chronicles 34... Huldah the prophetess tells those servants of Josiah the king, the exile is coming, but to the man who sent you to me, to Josiah the king, you tell him this, that because your heart was tender before the Lord your God, and because you humbled yourself in his presence, you will return to your fathers and not see the wrath that I will pour out upon my people. In Luke chapter 10, verse 27, when the man tried to justify himself in Jesus' presence by asking him which is the greatest of the commandments, the man responded, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. When you hear those words, you are reminded, it's ringing in your ears 
Just as the command that God said to his people, be holy as I am holy. All of us are shouting and crying in our hearts, I can't. I cannot do what you require. It is not in me. There's only two kinds of hearts in this room this morning. Two kinds of hearts among God's people. Cold, stony heart that loves sin and exalts yourself even above the living God, even in his presence. The very word of God just bounces off of you. Or a tender, living heart that loves God, that rejoices to obey his commands. Stony hearts are dead and insensible. They will not yield to the touch. They return back what is cast upon them. You can beat them. You can bang them. The only thing that you can do is watch it resist and repel everything that is good. You can break it into pieces, says Richard Sibbs, but it is unframable. You cannot use it. In Joel chapter 2, verse 13, God told His people through the prophet, Rend your hearts and not your garments. Isaiah chapter 29 verse 13. These people they draw near to me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. You bring all your sacrifices. You sing your praises. You say that you believe in me. But your heart is a million miles away. I ask you dear believer this morning. Do you have a heart for the living God? A tender heart. Is described. That as soon as a word is spoken by the living God, it yields. It obeys commands. It is melted and is sweetened at the promises of God. In all the duties given to it by God and all the offices of love to men, a tender heart is qualified. So I want to ask you this morning, in my own tears and in yours, how do we have a tender heart. How can we have a tender heart before God? It's not in us to make it. You can't manufacture it and I can't either. How do you get a tender heart? There's only one way and it's been God's plan since the Garden of Eden. He has not changed his mind. He hasn't made a U-turn. He hasn't given option B or C. It has always been that what he requires he will do. It's not possible any other way. You heard it this morning in the assurance of God's pardon. He said, I will take out the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't lose it. You can't unearn it. It is mine to give and I give to those whom I choose. And we rejoice in his presence at his unconditional election of his people and the irresistible grace That he massages our hearts with. I ask you this morning. Do you have a heart for the living God? And if in his presence you say no I don't. Then cry out to him for it. And he will delight to give it to you. I want to end this morning by saying a word to our young people. To our teenagers. To the girls and boys. To our young men. And our young ladies, don't waste these years. As Solomon, who was the wisest man maybe to have lived, wrote in Proverbs 3, Treasure the word of God in your heart. Trust in the Lord and not in your own ways. And he will lead you in the paths of life. I want to encourage you, read God's word, study it, hide it in your heart, trust him, follow him, keep short accounts of sin. As the years go by and your heart may grow colder, you have an opportunity now as young men and women to follow the Lord 
Josiahs are not special cases in the Bible. It is God's intent for all of his people to have a heart after his will. And I encourage you fathers and mothers and grandfathers and grandmothers. You're not perfect. And I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Show your children and your grandchildren God's word. It is what warms their hearts to the gospel. Our commands and our instructions are not the word of God. Show them the word. Show them what it means to repent. Show them what it means to ask for forgiveness. May they not grow up being people who don't know how to repent before the living God living in our homes. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come into your presence by the precious blood of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, our King. And we pray, Lord, that you would humble our hearts before you. All of us. Boys and girls, men and women, children, adults. Oh God, we pray, be merciful to us. There is more to the Christmas season than being happy and healthy. Lord, I pray for our children, our covenant children, that they would have a sense of being in your presence, of knowing your delight and your smile upon their lives. And may they see us even in imperfect and broken ways, repenting in your presence of our sinfulness, that we might be restored. Lord, would you give each of us in this room an opportunity to repent in your presence, to pray that you would give us a heart that you promised in your word you would, that we might follow you, that we might look to our King, the Lord Jesus, who is perfect in righteousness and holiness. And may we be hidden in him. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together now and respond to God's word by singing hymn number 214, Angels We Have Heard on High.
may be seated as we take an offering to the glory of God. Father in heaven, we come before you in thankfulness for the ways that you have blessed our families, the ways that you have blessed us individually, and for the many years you have blessed this church. Lord, we pray that we would be thankful and grateful to be able to participate in this service of worship by giving our tithes and offerings in obedience to your command. We pray, Lord, that you would be pleased to use them for the sake of the spread of the gospel, that the name of the Lord Jesus would be heard in ears who have never heard it because of our obedience in this way. And Lord, we pray that you would encourage your people as we do this, that we would have our hearts and our hands and our wallets and our homes free of the love of the things of this world, that we might store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, in all of your troubles and darkness, remember what you are and have. You have been loved with an everlasting love. You are supported with the everlasting arms. You are recipients of everlasting life and heirs of an everlasting kingdom, all sealed and made sure by the blood of an everlasting covenant. Amen. Amen. 